Hey ladies and gents, and welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast, where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry. Episode 78, as always, I'm joined by Jordan. Hola, mi amigo. Welcome back, Dom. Como estas? It's been a, been a long time. A whole two plus weeks. I'm glad to have you back. Can't wait to hear what you've been playing, which uh, you know, is probably not going to be no surprise. Um, as far as what I've been playing, uh, some more Odyssey. Nothing to say there. I've just been getting some more moons. Almost at 700 now. Um, just... Whenever I have some free time and I don't really want to, uh, when I, you know, when I'm watching a podcast or something, it's just hop in there and get moons. And the way I'm going about it, I don't want to go too long on this is like, uh, we talked about this, Jordan is like, I go through and I get all the moons that I can see or find, like just me exploring, right? All my no own. guides. Yeah. No guides, no nothing. Then what I do is I go and buy the, the hints from Toad. This is after that. So, like, I get a vast majority of the moons. Uh. Usually, by this point, I have, like, 85 to 90% of the moons on the place, right? Because I just scour the entire area. Um, and just run back and check areas. And, like, you've kind of figured probably by this point that in the in the in every area where you enter a tunnel and stuff, there's usually two moons. Um, so, if you don't get two moons in there, you know, like, oh, yeah, I only got one moon in that place. Um, so, I do that, and then I go and buy the hints from Toad. Um, and they kind of give you a, like they give you a marker on the map of the area, but they don't really give you any other details. So then I do that, and usually when I'm finished with that, there's maybe like one or two moons that I just I don't know where the hell they are. And at that point, I look up a guide. But I kind of go through these different filters before because like I enjoy getting the moons, you know. Um, it's basically my process. Uh, I'm currently at a kingdom that I was about to say, but I don't want to spoil it for you guys if you haven't gotten there. So I'm, I'm not gonna say what what that kingdom is. I was about to make it slip by accident. Shit. Um, so the kingdom itself is a spoiler. Now I'm psyched because I thought I was yeah. at the last one, but I guess I'm not. Uh, yeah, there's a couple of them that are surprising that it's like you just don't know about. So, um, anyways, uh, I've also been playing Arkham Knight. I was telling you guys before the show that I'm in this weird thing where like I don't want to necessarily buy a brand new game because Black Friday's right around the corner. And it's not doesn't mean I'm gonna buy a game on Black Friday. It's just that if I plan to pull the trigger, might as well wait till I'm gonna get some savings, right? Um, so I'm just like, I have plenty of games in my library. Uh, what should I play? With the recent rumors about Rocksteady's new game being unveiled with the new issue of Game Informer, which it wasn't, um, we still could possibly see Rocksteady's game at, at the Game Awards. But uh, all this talk about Rocksteady really was really got me interested in, like, man, I, I haven't really played most of the Batman games. I own Arkham Knight and all of its DLC. It's a shame that I haven't played it. So I hopped in and started playing that, and it's great. Obviously, we talked about it before the show, it's tank controls are... Or, or hit or miss, mostly miss for a lot of people. Um, but like everything else in that game is great. Um, I love the characters. I love the twists. Surprisingly, uh, I haven't been spoiled with this game. Like I, there is some stuff that happens that I don't want to spoil it for anybody else, even though it's an older game, uh, not too old. But um, there's some stuff that I didn't even know happened in the game uh, that caught me by surprise, uh, which is cool. I just somehow the game wasn't spoiled for me at all, probably because I didn't watch discussions of the game. Um, like spoiler talk and stuff, obviously. Um, yeah, having a fun time with that. I think I have an idea of the plot already, um, but... I was yeah. going to say, man, I'm not even super deep. I mean, I love Batman, but I've not gotten super deep into the some of the, the comics and some of the storylines there, and even I could see from a mile away what the twist was going to be. Yeah, they, they telegraphed the living shit I out. I figured it out. Spit. It was still yeah. good, yeah. and yeah. I didn't get it spoiled. It's still good, but... I don't know. You, you'll figure it out probably soon. I think. Yeah, I might already. I have actually it. think I just it's a. It, you know. 
I think it's a super solid story. Uh, yeah, every, it's uh, good. Everything else besides the Arkham Knight part itself is a super solid story. Like everything going on with Scarecrow and Poison Ivy, that stuff's really interesting and good. Well done. Well, but uh, yeah, the the Arkham Knight parts are the weakest part of the story, I would say. And the cool thing is, like, there's some surprises that have happened that I didn't see coming. And once again, like I said, these are probably very common things to people, but without spoiling it, the thing that happens when you first get to Ace Chemicals, well, not when you first get there, but at the end of that whole thing, when you find out about everything that's going down, um, that caught me by surprise because I didn't know that was part of the game. And that kind of continues throughout the game, which I didn't see in any of the gameplay, which is really cool that that wasn't spoiled for me. And also, um, Man Bat... Like, I was just going and grappling up a side of a building, and he oh, popped yeah, out, and I was like, pops what the yeah. hell? Yeah. Uh, so I immediately went and tackled him and went to his lab and stuff like that, and that was really cool. Um, I do think they do they give a really good reason as to why, like, a lot of the people aren't in the city while this is all happening, obviously because of what happens at the beginning of the game. Um, and for me, I'm like, I really want to see them uh, do another game, whether that's Batman, whether that's a rumored... Superman or Suicide Squad, like, man, their attention to detail and stuff is really cool. I'm really enjoying my time with it, and I'm not even the biggest Batman guy. Like, I wouldn't say Batman's even in my top, probably five of DC superheroes. Um, I like him. I don't. Shit. I don't dislike him, but he's not like he's not one of my go-to's. Right? Like, a lot of people love Batman. That's fine. Nothing wrong with that. But like, for me, it's really cool because I like seeing these characters and stuff, and I think it's a interesting enough story. So. That's pretty much anything else. Uh, I just yeah, just Super Mario Odyssey and that. I rewatched Saw last night. Uh, Still love that movie. (laughs) I think it's great. Obviously, it gets off. Yeah, I rewatched Saw. I love Saw. Okay. I thought you said (laughs) Saul, and I was like, Oh, sorry, no. If you're not going Uh, with Breaking Bad, why are you going? No, no, no. Call Saul. Uh, Obviously, there's like seven movies, and they get worse as it goes down the line. But man, rewatching the movie last night, still great. I I love it. You just gotta find the one. You gotta find the one that Chester Bennington plays in i can't remember which one he's in a saw movie he's acting in one of the saw movies one of the later ones probably six or seven or something i only like one two and i like some of three but uh very well written i think obviously i watched thor ragnarok no spoilers but i really enjoyed it i really loved um a lot of the 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 tones that they had in the movie um taika watiki is that the director taika waititi Uh, I've heard he's a great director. I never saw What We Do in the Shadows. I never saw Hunt for Wilder People. Love it. Uh, I want to see them now. I like his directing style and stuff. Um, yeah. Really like where they're headed with Thor. I think they did a good job of misdirecting, whether intentionally or unintentionally, with the trailer uh, that I saw. I didn't see all 19 that they released, but yeah, I like the Ragnarok a lot. And uh, Ragnarok a lot. Um, yeah, pretty much it for me. All right. Uh, I think since I last talked to you guys... <clears throat> I've, I don't know if I ever told you, but I did watch Wonder Woman finally. Cool. Jeez. I still haven't seen it. I still haven't seen Wonder it's Woman. It's a good movie. Yeah. It's, you know, it's a good movie. It's a, she's a, she's Yeah, I'd say it's a good movie. Wonder Woman <laughs> yeah. is a good movie. The Dom yeah, Silver approval. <laughs> Which is, yeah. you yeah. know, something that you can't really say for the other DC movies, so at least there's yeah. That. yeah. It's definitely, definitely the best out of the other DC ones, yeah. Well, the current DC yeah. family. Anyway... That's about all I got got to say on that. Um, I've also played yeah. a whole bunch of Mario Odyssey, but actually, I'm not going to say that because compared to Jared, I guess it's not that much. I only have about 170 moons, <laughs> and I'm I'm pretty sure I'm nearly done with the game too. So, 
You guys with me? Uh, you are lagging really hard. <laughs> <laughs> Something yeah. about not as far into Odyssey as Jared. Right. Yeah. So, alright, I'll just start with the... What the fuck was I saying? Okay. Um, I've also been playing a bunch of Super Mario Odyssey, albeit not as much as Jared, because I have about 170 moons, and yet I'm nearly done with the game, so... Are you guys still with me? Am I lagging again? Yeah, no, no, no. We can hear you. We can hear you. I just yeah. wanted to finish right. your point. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, no, it's fantastic. It's a really awesome game. Uh, it's super relaxing. Um, I played it at hours, probably like eight or nine hours worth um, on an airplane over to the fuck I was going, uh, Amsterdam and such. So super nice to have on the plane, especially. Um, really, like I said, it's it's easy, especially early on. It's really easy. Um, but that's not a fault. Um, even though it's easy, even the easier moons you get are like fun to get. It's kind of hard to explain. Um, so I'm, I'm, it's this last world I went to, the food world, the luncheon kingdom, starting to get a tad bit more difficult, just barely, but still not anywhere. Like I, I kind of want it to really ramp up at some point. Yeah. Um, I've heard the end game starts to do that, which is cool. So it's, I'm, and again, this isn't, you know, it's not to a fault, but it is really easy, um, at least so far. But it's, like, it's spectacular. Um, the levels are not, most of them aren't, you know, enormous, but they're so dense. And there's so yeah, much yeah, stuff and yeah. so many secrets around each corner. It's really cool um, to find things that you would never have thought they were there, but the way you discover them is kind of satisfying. It's a lot of... Uh, I got a lot of the same feeling playing Breath of the Wild too, but this is more condensed um, as far as levels. And Jared, like like you kind of said about Breath of the Wild, there's a lot more openness, which is a different thing. Um, but it's a lot yeah. more open space with nothing, whereas Mario is a lot more you know packed tight and cool. Um, but the way you discover things is kind of similar. So I really like <clears throat> Odyssey so far, and um, yeah, I don't know. I I guess that's what I got to say about odyssey it's one of the biggest well, games of the year and i'm kind of like sputtering out on thoughts but it. it's just great i don't know uh the interesting thing is like the, for me I've, i'm in post game i've been doing a lot of stuff for me having visited each kingdom multiple times and the launching kingdom is easily the worst one because like it's i think it's the least interesting as far as like post game i just think it isn't as well rounded as the other kingdoms and I like the art sound stuff. It's just, man, it definitely doesn't hold a candle to the other, like, substantial kingdoms. Because obviously there's some that are bigger than others. But for me, like, looking back on it now, playing all of the kingdoms and putting so much time into them, that Luncheon Kingdom just doesn't do it for me, which is strange. Because, like, in all the previous stuff, I was so excited to go there and hop in stew and do all that crap. And, yeah, it just <laughs> didn't hold a candle for me. Hop in stew. Can't wait. <laughs> hop in it stew. That's a box one. quote. Yeah, I, I gotta say the New Donk City Kingdom, the Metro Kingdom, is is probably my favorite so far. It's really cool. Um, I think you're in welcome company there. I think a lot of people find that to be enjoyable. Yeah, I think it's, the festival I, I, does. I wouldn't well have for guessed. That. Yeah. Well, yeah, that helps. But even without that, like, it's pretty cool. It, like watching the first trailer, I, I think a lot of us were like, "What the hell?" It's like weird. There's like humans walking around. It like felt off. You know, that's still but, fucking weird when you're playing it. It is a little bit, but. The level itself is just so cool. I don't. It's, it's tough to explain, uh, but 
Real quick too, Dom. Uh, so I was looking at this because you were you were like I wasn't sure how many kingdoms are left. I'm not going to spoil it for you, but I'm looking at the list of kingdoms here, and you still have a lot of surprises in in uh, in tow. So you still got. A I lot just of got to. to out, so. I just got to like the Bowser Kingdom. Yeah, so. that was really really that, interesting uh, take with that that they went like samurai with that like uh, feudal Japan kind of. I haven't walked into it yet. I just landed and turned it off. So I don't okay. know. <laughs> yeah. Um, the fact that yeah. this game takes place on Earth, I think, is weird. Yeah. Yeah. It is weird. Flying like, around Earth. I just think of it as like <laughs> Nintendo Earth. I don't really think of it as like Earth Earth, you know. But yeah. then when you go to the Metro, it makes one. it even harder because it's like, well, these are like normal humans. Does that mean that like Mario spent so much time in the Mushroom Kingdom that he like became deformed? I don't know. It's really weird. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> you know. It's Jesus. just, it's a cool game. Um, yeah. It definitely benefits from being on the Switch, too. I love portable games on the Switch. It's well, such a blessing. The so. crazy thing is, like, their two biggest games this year, and the two that are probably going to get talked about the most outside of, obviously, Horizon for Game of the Year, I think completely opposite in the way they approach things, whereas, like, Mario is super tight and compact with the levels. They aren't very big, but there's a lot to do there. And Zelda takes the wide-open approach where it's, like, a very big world. And to some, I think it's just what you want out of it, because I've talked about to death of, like, how empty I think Zelda feels, and I don't like that. Um, whereas Mario definitely hits it for me of like very compact, a lot to do. Um, so yeah, it's just I think interesting styles depending on where it's going to fall for people's game of the year. I'd probably be high on Horizon if I actually played the game, but alas, I don't have that opportunity. So <laughs> yeah. So other than Mario, um, I did start playing Resident Evil Seven. Did get around to it. Cool. The wife's the wife's idea, actually. Wow. Cool. Yeah, the old ball and chain <laughs> introducing you to fabulous video games. No, it's it's a, and I knew I would like it too. I just hadn't gotten around to it. It was just kind of one of those, um, one of those. It just kind of slipped through, and you just kind of eh, whatever. Maybe I'll get to it, but um, it's it's really cool. It's fantastic. There's some things that are really fucking annoying with it, but um, the boss battles. Yeah, like where it's the puzzles are really good you know finding things to work with doors and this and that like that stuff's really cool but when they try to make puzzles into the boss battles it's kind of like fuck off because you don't really know what to do and then you're just getting chainsawed in half and i don't know some stuff is irritating like that um but overall it's it's fantastic like exploring the house and uh it's not like cheap jump scares so far that i've experienced it's kind of more moody and cool um there is some stuff that jumps around, but overall it's fantastic. And um, I love, uh, I, I think it had to have been, someone had to give the okay for like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre references in this, I would think. <laughs> yeah. Or, or at least, yeah, that... you know, they had to say like, hey, you know, whoever created that first Chainsaw movie, like, you know, nods to you, like, thanks, you know, something like that. Because um, it's cool. But I, I love that. I love how they did that when you wake up at the dinner table, even though I knew it was coming. Uh that was did, really cool. So, did you play the demo when it came out? Not when it came out, like two or three weeks ago. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. That's why. Yeah. I well, because I downloaded the demo, um, and I told my wife like, "Yeah, hey, let's just check this out uh, with me really quick. I think you might like it." Because she loved Until Dawn. So cool. And I know she loves Texas Chainsaw, uh, the original movie, like the '70s movie. Um, and so we played through the demo. Uh, well, I played and she just watches, but she was like, holy crap, this is fantastic, let's buy this game. So we ended up buying the game, so that's how that happened. Hell yeah. But, yeah. I, I can't wait for you so to far. get to the ending. There's some differing opinions as to, as the game progresses, the quality of it. 
And, like, there's some criticisms with the third act, which I don't want to spoil for you or anything, but I, I really like that game. That game, I think, is currently in my, probably, like, my top five for game of the year. I really enjoyed it. There are some, there are some frustrations. For me, I didn't really experience those, like, with the boss battles, but I completely see where you're coming from. Uh, like, when you're in that confined area with the dad, uh... And yeah, the like, second yeah. Jack boss battle, what you were mentioning, Dom, where he's got yeah. the chainsaw. Uh, that's that one's pretty fucking bad. Uh, yeah. I I didn't have issues with. That. I enjoyed it, but I've seen videos and stuff of people uh, where it's it, it gets frustrating. I'm like, I completely understand. I see why people have a problem with it. You know, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's yeah. It, overall, it's fantastic. I like it. Um, not not anywhere close to dying. We played for. <sighs> three or four hours or so so i'm looking forward to getting more into that um otherwise last thing it just came out today i've only i spent like a half an hour on it is the south park phone destroyer game the mobile game hmm interesting you, you guys destroyer. you guys you guys aware of this yeah there, it's the one that like makes fun of it having microtransactions right when you first open it right oh, i think there's like a joke with it on? yeah i think there's a joke of like this game has microtransactions you know it's like kind of being that's what i read yeah. and that was it yeah, I didn't take that as a joke. I guess. I don't know, <laughs> but anyway, I like it. It's kind of like one of those phone takeover games. Like you, uh, it, it plays a short cutscene, and then it the cutscene ends with Cartman is calling the new kid, right? And then all of a sudden, your phone looks like it's starting to ring, and you're getting a call from Cartman. It's pretty cool. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> and you click hmm. answer. Yeah, I, I imagine there's more of that kind of stuff coming. So it's kind of funny, and it's the same art style, you know, as South Park and it's uh, the South Park games too. So that's pretty cool. So far, the gameplay is you know it's you know it's a phone game, but we'll see how it goes. I'll, I'll keep messing around with it. So that's what Interesting. I got. Interesting. I never I never pegged you as a huge South Park guy. I guess it's just something I didn't. Oh, really. I, I love South Park. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Huh. Absolutely. Yeah. So now for, that's the other game I want to play. Fracture the Hole. Got to get around to that. Now we take it to the shadows with Jordan. <laughs> what are you been playing? To the shadows. Yeah. The uh, my Skype camera looks a lot darker than what I'm okay. actually recording, but. Uh, which I just see like a wh- I just see like that. your skin because obviously you have like your big bushel of hair and your beard so it's just I like I see like yeah. I am Batman yeah um, so yeah I guess I'll jump on Thor real quick uh, I enjoyed it quite a bit I wouldn't say I loved it um, but I did think it was a good movie um, even a great movie I'd say the uh, just kind of the colors and the music the vibe of it was obviously very eighties which I think they um, they push that in the marketing quite a bit <clears throat> the action was really fucking dope um, I really liked Valkyrie the character and um, I'm also a big fan of Norse mythology so I like that they were leaning into that a little bit more this time um, it's got it's fair share of problems but I think I liked it better than Spider-Man Homecoming hmm, um, interesting. earlier this oh, year Spider-Man yeah, was a cool which, movie too I wasn't totally in love with Spider-Man Homecoming I think you liked uh, Spider-Man better than I did Jared so yeah um, I would say I like this one. This is uh, my uh, preferred Marvel movie of the year, I guess you'd say. Um, but anyways, um, what I've been playing, um, of course, I've jumped into my favorite game of the year's DLC, Horizon Zero Dawn, The Frozen Wilds. Oh, how is it? Um, how is it? So, it's uh, <laughs> it's funny because... Um, one of the big parts about it is that they've upped the power level and the difficulty of the actual uh, robot good. animals. That's um, good. Which uh, I already thought they were pretty much as overpowered as you could possibly think. <laughs> yeah, but, they are. Uh, I was I was proven wrong. 
And, um, you know, that goes into some of my issues with the game about how uh, I get the fact that uh, Aloy should be vulnerable, but at the same time, I think that it's just way too easy to just get totally fucking destroyed, and especially even one hit, even when you're over-leveled sometimes. And, well, and it it's like... Cheap it in can, that sense. It contrasts with, like, apparently your arrows are fucking out powerful, powerful as all hell, right? And they can take down these giant robots, but, yeah, one hit from them, and you're, like, half your health is gone. It kind of doesn't... It's one of those, you know, it's a video game, suspension of disbelief things. Yeah, yeah, I definitely think it's a little unbalanced in that sense. Even more so, I feel like um, more times in this game than a lot of other games, it happens where, like, I turn and I have the character running towards the screen, and then I have a giant something, uh, like, jumping at me with its fucking huge claws... And that also like spins and turns and whips you with its tail at the same time, and I just feel like a lot of times I I can't see where I got hit, but I get hit nonetheless. I get health taken away and get knocked down, um, and it just really seems like even when they're not actually touching me, um, I'm still getting penalized for it. So there's, I mean, I guess when you play it, Dom, I can go a little bit more deep into that. But uh, either way, it is still my favorite game of the year it is still uh you know up top in the running for my game of the year i think it's it's eventually going to beat out mario when we get down to the nitty-gritty at the end of the year but um yeah basically the frozen wilds you go to uh you're going into banuk territory high up in these mountains and you're kind of dealing with this mystery of uh, dealing with some of their tribes um and uh, you know, meeting new characters, new enemy types, stuff like that. Um, so it's, you know, I wouldn't say it's anything that is uh, too far out of the ordinary for expansion passes or DLC, expansion right. packs. Right, but I will say it does seem pretty substantial, judging by the several hours I've played so far, um, how big the map's looking, the map expansion is looking. I'd say it, it definitely feels like... Uh, not, maybe not Witcher Blood and Wine, but certainly Hearts of Stone, which is more than 10 hours. So um, if you're if you're doing most of the content, I think it's going to be pretty meaty. Um, so yeah, it's just making a great game better, I guess, is, is the best way to put it. So, I'm stoked now. Oh, yeah, i got to get into that. definitely worth the time and money, I would say. It's too much um, going on. <laughs> lots, of, lots of games to play, yeah. Definitely played some more Mario Odyssey. Not too much more to say about that. Still enjoying it quite a bit. Still... Uh, loving that gameplay and loving the on-the-go nature of it. Um, a special shout-out to a game I played a bunch of this week, and that is a game on PS Vita, which is uh, cross-by-cross-save with PS4, and that is called Downwell. Are you guys familiar with this game? Yeah, black and yeah. white. It's not black and white. I think it starts out black and red, and then you can change the color palettes. The, the more you level up, the more color palettes you get. I'm up to like 12 now. Um, oh. So there's lots of different palettes. Yeah, it's pretty cool once you get some of the, the ones farther in the game. Um, but it is... Uh, I don't know that it's extremely difficult. It's just um, extremely challenging. Um, but it's still very fun nonetheless. And it's uh, really classic gameplay. It feels like an NES game or a Super NES game. And um, you're basically just going down this well. And there's all different kinds of critters that you have to either jump on top of or shoot with your boots um, and that's how you kind of go about the world is you jump obviously and then shoot out of your feet um, so it's really cool really fun 
Um, great concept. I'd love to see that studio do more. I think the game was only like five bucks, um, and that wasn't even on sale. That was just the price of the game. And like I said, it's cross buy, cross save. Um, excuse me. May not be cross save actually. I know it's cross buy for sure. But either way, really, really great game, and not something that gets talked about a lot or even did when it got released. So I'm really glad I, I moseyed on back to it over there on the Vita. Um, and then besides that, I don't think I got around to any more Assassin's Creed Origins this week. I'm sure I'll get back to that at some point. How do you um, like it, though? I didn't, I never, uh, that's oh, yeah. what I'm on the verge of, on the cusp. Uh, I would actually just direct you to last week's podcast because I had lots of complaints <laughs> with it. He, yeah. I, <laughs> Really? I definitely, yeah. It's uh, one of my least favorite Assassin's Creed games wow. of recent okay. years. And, Shit. Uh, <laughs> I, Jared was actually saying the same thing. I'm on the fence about it. And I was like, don't. Don't do it, Jared. Wait. Oh, damn. The, the interesting thing. I keep on hearing people either love it or, or not at all. Well, it seems <laughs> yeah. to me like people, it depends on It depends on two things. One, if you've liked what Assassin's Creed has done before. And two, what exactly those things you did like about Assassin's Creed before? Because like I yeah. think Jordan's Jordan's I hate to say, say the word purist, but like I think he likes a lot of like the core things with Assassin's Creed, whereas a lot of the things you're seeing people talk about how they, the reason they like Origins is because it doesn't do a lot of those things. So I think a, a yeah. lot of the problem, a lot of the disconnect is that people who wanted more Assassin's Creed with more things on top of that aren't really getting that. But the people who didn't really like how Assassin's Creed was before are getting a new take that lets them enjoy Assassin's Creed. I think that's where they like the disconnect is of like you have these people that are like muddled on it, and then you have all these people like, oh no, it's fantastic. I think that's where it comes from. At the same time, I would have uh, minor disagreements with that in the sense that um, I'm cool with it deviating from the formula yeah. i just think that the ways in which it deviates it does pretty poorly yeah so you know it, it tries to have like bloodborne-esque combat and they're just nowhere near being able to pull that off um stuff like that so uh yeah, yeah. i think that that um that the, the deviations and the way they mix up the formula that they're just really poorly done in my opinion so but i'm all about there's certainly things in assassin's creed that need to change and that's another thing is just the way in which they changed it or not the ways that I think a lot of people and myself included have wanted that series to change certain little things that are still there and then they change things that didn't need to be changed at all so yeah that's I guess that's a pretty general description of my issues with it Dom <clears throat> and then uh, I guess I'll give a quick shout out to a couple shows um, I'd like to give a shout out to the second season of Aziz Ansari's Master of None on Netflix um, watched the first season and didn't really love it. I felt like it borrowed way too heavily from shows like Louis, Louis specifically, um, especially the fact that it is like uh, what a lot of these shows are, Marin and Master. Not and someone you want to be borrowing from these days either. <laughs> well, yeah, who knows what the, if Louis's been, you know, jerking off in front of female comedians for years or not. I'm, I don't know. I but shouldn't laugh. But. He makes an incredible uh, television show, that's for sure. And these shows that are about like a quasi-realistic version of these comedians' lives, um, and then they push into more artistic fo uh, formats and um, artistic territories, you might say. I felt like it borrowed too uh, heavily from Louis, but they... Um, 
and it kind of started off. I was f- feeling the same way about the start of the second season, but then they they really pushed this specific storyline that I felt they did really well. This kind of romance love story, which I'm usually not, um, you know, too far into, but I thought it was handled so well and ended so well that um, I was pretty pleased with it and was was uh, pretty far invested into it by the end. So I'll definitely be giving the third season a try, though I still feel like. See, I love Aziz Ansari, but I'm a much bigger fan of his stand-up comedy and his acting where he's not the one writing it or he's not the one behind the show, like Parks and Recreation, for example. Um, so I'm much more of a fan of those areas of his career, but I'll still be giving this a try just because of the fact that um, this second season I felt was a big improvement and because I am a big fan of him outside of this work specifically. Um, and then I'd also like to give a shout out to Star Trek Discovery, which, uh, sort of unfortunately isn't actually being aired on TV. It's locked behind, uh, CBS All Access, which is their digital streaming service that you have to sign up for to get access to this show. And I've never actually watched a Star Trek show before this. The only thing I'm familiar with is the three reboot movies that have come out most recently, which I'm a pretty big fan of. But... Uh, this show deviates a little bit from that and does go more into the harder sci-fi uh, aspect of Star Trek and I think handles it really well. It's also really gorgeously shot. Probably the biggest, oddly enough for it not actually being broadcast on television, I think it has the uh, biggest special CG special effects budget of any show I've ever seen. Um, even bigger than stuff like Game of Thrones, for example. And it looks absolutely gorgeous, especially when they're um, showing shots out in space and shots of the ship. Um, but it's also really, really well acted. Jason Isaacs, um, and then, gosh, I'm forgetting her name now. Uh, Seneca Martin Green, I think. I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce her name, but she's Sasha. Yeah, that sounds right. Sasha from, from the, uh, The Walking Dead. Um, but really, really well acted, and it's, and it's also well written. Um, the scenarios that they're going into. It does have an overarching storyline, but much like other Star Trek shows, it also has a focus on standalone episodes. So um, I'm really enjoying it so far, and uh, like I said, it's kind of not getting the buzz that it seems to deserve. And then last but not least, uh, Mr. Robot's episode this week was um, what some people are calling a gimmicky deal, but I didn't feel like it was a gimmick at all. It was actually, um, you know, it's an hour-long drama on USA, so it was like a 40-minute-ish episode, and it was all done in one take. It wasn't actually um, shot in one take, but it looked as though it was all one take, I guess if that makes sense. And uh, it was a really cool experience and was uh, very much uh, intense and riveting, which is where that show needs to be, which is where they got uh, part of the reason that season two wasn't as good. They kind of got away from that and had some more tedious aspects of the show uh, that they leaned on, which I didn't, and a lot of people didn't enjoy as much, even though I still think season two was very solid. Um, But with that being said, and with the fact that this is the fifth episode of the third season, I think that this is back to being the best show on television that is currently airing. especially with the shakiness of Game of Thrones and the fact that Louis has been on hiatus for a couple of years. Um, so, yeah, I think that Mr. Robot's back on top of its game. If you uh, left after the second season, I would say totally come back. Um, 
definitely my favorite show, and, and it's something I highly recommend, especially to people our age. It has a lot of, uh, I think, resonance with um, people in their 20s, I would say. So, yeah. Shout out to shows. That's what I got. Alrighty, let's hop into the news. Uh, got a lot of news to talk about, uh, some more than others, but some things we definitely want to cover. Uh, first up, by way of uh, The Verge, Pokemon Go Studio Niantic is making a Harry Potter AR game. Um, obviously, everyone knows Niantic's big success with Pokemon Go. Uh, it, it, a phenomenon, really, most people would call it. Insane, the way that game blew up. Um, I, they're partnering with Warner Brothers, and they're starting a new studio called uh, Portkey, um, which is a Harry Potter reference. And um, mm-hmm. they're making a Harry Potter AR game, which uses the same architecture that Pokemon Go pulled from with Niantic's uh, first game, which I, the name's escaping me right now. I don't know if the article touches on it. Um, the name of their their original game where they had all this tech and obviously Pokemon Go with that yeah success it's escaping me as well has uh, has pulled in even more information I think for them it's uh, the game's officially going to be called Harry Potter Wizards Unite um, I think this game is going to be successful in terms of downloads when it comes out I don't know about post release content so I love Harry Potter it's just weird to me to see how this game will have hooks in it because the Pokemon Go thing completely makes sense. It's a franchise tied around going and capturing things. You have people going into random places capturing uh, Pokemon, and you have multiple generations of Pokemon to continuously release new Pokemon for people to capture. I don't understand what what would be the driving factor to get people out to places. Is it like different types of wands in the game? Is it like I don't know? It just it's hard for me to see how this will catch on the way Pokemon did. You know, I think it'll have a lot of downloads, but I don't think it'll be the phenomenon that they might expect. If it's called Wizards Unite, I'm thinking that you're going to go go out uh, adding wizards to your army, I guess. And collect and, him, uh, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, and I just don't... I agree with you, Jared. I don't necessarily... Though Harry Potter is a massively successful franchise, I still don't know that it's nearly as uh, accessible as Pokemon was uh, for a game like this. Yeah. And at the same time, you know, there's... You know, I could probably rattle off, like you know, 40-plus wizard names from Harry Potter, but only about 25 or 30 of those are ones that actually matter or ones that you would care about if you're a fan of the series. Yeah. And so um, with Pokemon, that's not the the uh, case at all. So, um, and, and nor are these wizards nearly as recognizable. So, um, yeah, I don't know if they're going to be able to get people... Uh, it's certainly not going to be the fad that Pokemon Go was... And I just don't know that they're going to be able to uh, pull people out of their houses just to go recruit so you guys, these wizards or whatever it is. Yeah. You guys, my my hands right now are full of all the fucks I give about this story. <laughs> so as Dom, you your see, hands look empty. Um, they're empty. Well, the, I think the, the other interesting part of this is in some interviews, Warner Brothers has basically stated that they're focusing their attention on making Harry Potter games, because obviously we've seen the disappearing act of, of these normal licensed games that we saw for a long time, right? Um, disappearing and that gets, act, that's a good pun. It's a good wizard pun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this, that gets me intrigued, though, because I want to see a AAA Harry Potter game, uh, you know, yes. a proper video game. I think this AR thing is going to be cool, and I think people are going to download it, but I, like we both agree on, I don't think this is going to be the Pokemon Go trend. But them saying that like we're focusing on Harry po- uh, Harry Potter games, that gets me excited because if you have an RPG where you get to be a student, like create a student at Hogwarts, you know, that's what I want personally. Like I don't want to do the Harry Potter story. I love Harry Potter, but 
why would I need to replay through that? You know, I would yeah, like just yeah. exploring the world of, of Harry Potter and being at Hogwarts and all that stuff. Um, you know, make absolutely. It, it could be you know make an event out of finding out what house you're a part of and stuff like that. I think it's really cool if they if they do that and. Um, yeah, I, I, interested to see how this air game does. I think, like I said, it'll have downloads at the gate like crazy. But whether or not there's enough substance there for people to latch onto, who knows? Um, the second story here, I think, does uh, matter to all three of us because it's a you know it's a game developer that we play their games. It's, have my hands filled up. <laughs> it's uh, by way of Polygon. Telltale Games lays off 25% of their workforce. Um, basically, what has happened, if you guys don't remember, earlier in the year. Uh, the previous uh, lead at Telltale left, and they had uh, a new person come in. Uh, Pete Hawley, who is the CEO now, basically says, Our industry has shifted in tremendous ways over the past few years. Um, the restructuring is not expected to impact the release of any of the company's previously announced projects. Uh, he also has a, a, a quote in here that states, um, Basically, more competitive as a developer and publisher of groundbreaking story-driven gaming experiences with an emphasis on high quality in the years ahead. Um, there have also been reports that basically this restructuring of them losing 90 employees, which is a lot, and it sucks for those people. Um, it seems like they might have been just spread too thin, like they were over-hiring to some extent. Um, there have been reports of uh, morale at Telltale um, not being the highest, as you would expect for a company that's as successful as they have been. Um, and I think with this, possibly for people who have issues with the engine, maybe this means they're going to smaller teams Maybe that means that they can take a break between releases and they're not just drudging out game after game. Maybe that doesn't fix it. Um, but it's unfortunate to see 90 people lose their jobs. Um, hopefully it seems like the game industry has gone behind them and has looked out for them and trying to find them jobs in every uh, in every avenue possible. Um, but this is I think this is interesting from the perspective I want to hear your guys' opinion on is like, first get this out of the way, it sucks people are losing their jobs. That goes without saying. None of us are saying this is a good for that reason. But I think from Telltale's business opportunities and the way they're structured and the way games are coming out, they needed to make a change, right? It's not sustainable. Like, the way they were doing things with their, their broken engine, releasing game after game, it seems like they had way too many employees. Uh, when a new leadership comes in, they look at overhead and they look at numbers and they see where they can cut in. For me, it seems like a company that was growing too big for the sake of just growing. Um, but I want to hear what you guys have to say on this. Yeah, it's probably, and, I, and again, it sucks <clears throat> for those people that did get that did get canned. But um, it's probably the best thing you know for Telltale and for their product. It's kind of hard to think of that right now. Yeah, um, it's always difficult when people lose jobs. Like it's it's a hard discussion right. to have because it's like, well, people don't have money to feed their families, or you know, it's like, but that's not necessarily where we're coming from. You know. It's more of the business right. perspective, yeah. And you got to try to look at it through the lens of, you know, eventually, like you said, it's not sustainable, and this is sometimes what has to happen. Otherwise, the whole company disappears. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, and that's not even hyperbolic. Like, you have to do what's best, you know, <laughs> to for your shareholders and so on. Or I don't know if they're public or private, but um, this is sometimes necessary, and I, and I think you're right. Like, this is probably a change they needed, and it's more than just – you know, trimming the fat, it seems, uh, hopefully there's more of an overall restructure um, and kind of rethinking fundamentally the way that well, they're creating games, and, hopefully. And I hate to cut you off, but, like, hey, I love the Telltale games, don't get me wrong, and I know you guys do too, we have our gripes with them, but, like, Telltale games don't look like games that require 300 employees. 
that's what's crazy to me is they have they had over before this obviously they had over 300 employees and to me maybe it was just bad structuring of like why would you need 300 employees for for these games like these aren't triple a like they had way more people than triple a studios have you know and i know they have high turnover rates as far as the releases but still it's it's interesting yeah they're releasing multiple games at a time you know we just got the last episode of guardians of the galaxy and then uh episode three of batman season two should be coming out soon and then they're working on other games as well so yeah um you know wolf among us season two and all that so um got the walking next walking dead coming up through the pipeline so they're um not only releasing multiple games at a time but they're also working on uh multiple games at a time and that's not like naughty dog finishing up uncharted 4 while yeah uh, some few people splinter off start pre pre-pro on uh last of us 2 this is like no they're full force on three four games at a time yeah i do think that's not necessarily a sustainable sustainable model no matter how many people you have working for you so i do hope this tightens them up i'm absolutely not convinced that this is going to uh eliminate some of the bugs or the stutters or the crashing that you get when you play these games oh yeah the proof Uh, will be in the puddings yeah well because they said yeah we got a new engine uh like about a year ago i would say and it really hasn't changed the games that uh all that much in my opinion um but um you know, another big question I have is what about Game of Thrones Season 2? You know, I realize that that game probably didn't do as well as they had hoped, um, and that um, they've mentioned it within the last year, but they really didn't give a good update on it, so um, I would really like them to either cancel that game or put out a release window for it, because they have kept people holding on too long, and that is uh, my still my favorite of the Telltale games, so I'd like a you know, I would appreciate some some further information on that, which maybe this uh, sort of restructuring will help push that along. But either way, yeah, I think they've definitely got some. It seems like uh, that company definitely has some areas of band aids and bubble gums that need to be fully repaired. So, well, and I mean, we haven't seen really wholesale uh, sales figures for them for their games, and maybe yeah. not only is this restructuring changing the way they focus on multiple games. But maybe we will come to a point where Telltale doesn't necessarily do these episodic things the way they're doing them now. Maybe they have to change that as well, you know? We could see Telltale right. evolve fully into something completely different um, because they made it a point to say that none of the current projects in development are being affected by this, but they didn't say anything like you said about, which we assume Game of Thrones is in development because they've stated so, but it's not really one that they push forward as it is in development. You know, it's very weird. And right. I agree with you, like... Either give us a really state or tell us it's canceled. Just let us know, please. One way or the other, whatever. Just let us know. Um, Earlier, the next news story, earlier we were talking about Assassin's Creed Origins. Um, Ubisoft actually shared some exciting news in their their recent uh, shareholders meeting that uh, Assassin's Creed Origins sold 100% better than Syndicate in the same 10-day period. Uh, I sold twice as fast as Syndicate. Um, You know, Ubisoft just had crazy sales numbers this year for all their games. And, you know, Assassin's Creed is a game that usually sells when people are, were wondering if, you know, the year off is going to make a better game. How is it going to do for sales? Are people tired of Assassin's Creed? Um, for Ubisoft as a whole, though, their first half sales are up 65.7% over the same period from last year. And their digital revenue is up 70%. Uh, last week, Jordan, we talked about the story that uh, more than 50% of, of Destiny 2 sales were digital. We're seeing yeah. this this investment in digital culture and these publishers are seeing 
um, you know, these sales on the digital end. And uh, we've heard stories, and we're going to get into it uh, on, on some podcasts about Visceral, and we've ta- uh, they, people have talked about how um, we found out some interesting numbers as far as retail cuts. And one of these supposed things is that for every $60 game sold, publishers only get $12. Um, and obviously those aren't factual numbers, those are some numbers that people are talking about, but um, that has to do with a lot of retail costs and stuff like that. And if we move towards a more digital future, these this digital revenue is going to skyrocket, right, along with microtransactions and stuff, which we'll touch on later. Um, but uh, Jordan, real quick, I know you're the Assassin's Creed guy. Obviously you have your concerns with the game, but uh, from a from a selling standpoint, are you surprised that this game sold this much? Not necessarily. I think Assassin's Creed, uh, the reason they took it took it off a year took off a year was not because it wasn't selling well yeah but because they could tell that the i think they could tell that the general um message floating around the industry was that people were excuse me tired of seeing an an assassin's creed game come out every year so i think it was just uh smart brand management and um it probably did give everybody just enough of a breath. Even people, like, I don't think that many people played Unity or Syndicate, but they got to not hear about uh, Assassin's Creed video games for an entire year, so they were probably um, got just enough of a breath of not hearing about it to where they actually got a little more interested in it. And I also think that um, the fact that the Xbox One X comes out right after the release of this game, and this is one of the... I wouldn't say few games, but one of the bigger games Premier, uh, that is yeah. supporting, yeah, ex- exactly, Premier games that is Xbox One enhanced, Xbox One X enhanced at launch. Um, I think is a big deal for it. I'd be interested to see how well it sold on Xbox versus PlayStation. Um, and then there's there's other factors that may be unseen or not as well noted, but I definitely think that. Um, there's there's plenty of factors that allowed it to um, to push a little bit further, and I think that um, it's not necessarily a bad thing. You know, even though I'm not totally down with a lot of the stuff they were doing in the game, um, it doesn't mean that everything that they implemented this time around is going to be locked into place. So um, I am am happy that the Assassin's Creed franchise is doing well, I guess is the best way to put it because yeah, it is one of my favorites and I'm excited to see where they go in the future here's to a game in feudal Japan where you play (laughs) as a samurai or ninja, hopefully Ghost of Tsushima will uh, kick that into gear, I don't know if you heard Dom, but uh, Sony's (laughs) best first party studio, Sucker Punch announced their new game, Ghost of Tsushima Uh, uh, while you were gone real quick, so I know about it Dom, obviously these Assassin's Creed sales aren't that surprising, and I mean, we can get into the discussion real quick of, like, this is more of the same, right? Like we talked about before the show, Ubisoft, I think, is one of the hottest publishers right now in terms of sales, and I don't know if it's from their marketing or what, but, like, The Division sold crazy, Ghost Recon Wildlands is still one of the top-selling games this year that no one talks about, and that game still sells like crazy. Uh, Rainbow Six Siege still does crazy numbers on microtransactions and stuff like that, um, post-release content, and now Assassin's Creed, like... I think it's just a Ubisoft thing at this point, right? Like, they just know how to sell their games, yeah. apparently. Yeah, they, they do have everything going on. The way they market, the way their games are uh, designed, and the way they're positioned. Yeah, I think that's all pretty good. I think South Park is doing pretty darn good, too. Yeah, it was on top of NPD, I think, for PlayStation 4. Um, yeah, yeah, it was up there. 
Um, and even Mario plus Rabbit's Kingdom Battle sold very well. On the that's Switch right. Too. Shoot, yeah. that's right. It's yep. another yeah. great Yubi release. Yep. Yeah, they're doing. You're right. As far as publishers go, and they're, they're up there, man. Shit. They're putting microtransactions in their games, but it's not the entire conversation is wrapped around that. Whereas, right. you know, other companies are having to deal with that right now, so they're probably very excited about the fact that that's not such a big deal. They're quote unquote getting away with it, right? Well, and it's like perfect timing for all of the, the you know the the sales that they have to worry about and the ta- hostile takeover and. I think it's like perfect timing yeah. for them to be, show investors like, no, we need to keep control the way we are with the Gilmonts because we're seeing massive amount of success. I think it's great Whoa. for them. Um, next up, uh, our second to last story, um, Microsoft investing in studios to make more first party games. Um, this comes by of Joe Scrabbles and the words of Greg Miller, made up name uh, over at IGN. Um, and basically there was an interview on Bloomberg with Phil Spencer and he states, we need to grow and I look forward to doing that. Uh, I'll read you guys the story. It's not too long. Um, Which is basically what Phil Spencer's been saying for the last year and a half. I just want to... Exactly. But I think Bloomberg is a a, a quote-unquote adult website, so I think that's why this gained so much traction, you know? Um, Double X. Yeah. Uh, Microsoft will invest more in software and services in the near future with a view to make more first-party games, according to Xbox chief Phil Spencer. We need to grow. I look forward to doing this. Our ability to go create content has to be one of our strengths. We haven't always invested at the same level. We've gone through ups and downs in the investment. So I like the honesty there of him saying, like, yeah, we've gone through times where we didn't invest in uh, our own IP and stuff like that, you know? He's not shying away from that, which Phil Spencer never has been the person to really shy away from that stuff. Um, he basically goes on in the interview. I don't want to read the whole article, but he basically goes on to state that they're, they want to bring in more exclusive IP first-party games to Xbox by way of creating studios or purchasing studios to make um, Xbox-specific games, um, exclusive games. Boy. Wouldn't Visceral have just fit right in in their first party stable, man? That would have been so nice if EA hadn't have just been like, yeah, they're shut down. I'm yeah. sure Microsoft would have been like, fuck yeah, we'll take Visceral. And well, I think- on that note, though, there is a lot of uh, capital from Visceral that is floating around, I exactly. assume, one name in particular yeah. um, that starts with an A and ends with Henning. but. Well- Man, I mean, that would be great in this whole ecosystem. There's something else I want to touch on uh, first before I get into that. Um, so I think the, the the difference here is I think a lot of people are reading this article as I'm glad they're finally – Phil's finally saying they're going to start investing in stuff as if it's starting the day this article came out. <laughs> they're just not trying. Yeah. Exactly. And if anybody knows business <clears throat> or have, has followed this with Phil, um, this has been an ongoing thing for a while now and now they're just talking about it more openly. Um it, when he did this interview, it wasn't that that was the day when they could start investing in things. You know, there's stuff we don't know about that we're going to hear about as announcements. Uh, like, Jordan, you mentioned, Phil's been on this train for a while now this year. Um, I think yeah. this just caught fire because this was a Bloomberg interview, uh, and he was a little bit yeah. more candid with specifics. Um, and, and we even recently had the interviews with Shannon Loftus where she, you know, she's the in charge of uh, first-party IP for Xbox. And obviously she's going to sit there and say, I'm excited about our current lineup because I do think they have some good games on the horizon, um, except they don't have horizon. Uh, and uh, oh. But she she has stated that, like, no, we need more games too, you know. And I think that's, that's great that they have this um, this openness about them that, like, yeah, we haven't invested in exclusive stuff, and we're trying to change that. I think Phil's position now that they got the the uh, the uh, I'm my brain's farting. Help me out, please. Yeah, the, I'm reaching the for new, it. Uh, he got the new title. Exactly. Among, uh, yeah. Among Microsoft. Um, 
Executives. Uh, the thing I want to talk about with, with Dami bringing up Amy Hennig, uh, and this is a conversation we're going to have about the whole Visceral thing, so I don't want to get too much into that, but wouldn't it be great if Microsoft comes out and announces, especially in this this time where people are worried about the death of single-player games and all of this crazy stuff, to, for them to show up um, and even do like a, Ko, uh, a Kojima-type thing where maybe you don't have a lot of the game, but have Amy Hennig come out and be like, you know, Microsoft gave me gave me the opportunity, the reins that they said, make a team and make a game, and she just you know, and imagine seeing a video where like it's a bunch of ex Visceral employees being like, we're excited to continue working with Amy, and they work on something, and they just give her the reins to do something, you know, um, would be great. I think there's a lot of other studios out there that they could also get. Um, I, it's the whole IO Interactive. We don't know what's happening with them. We know when you hit my games in development. Um, as far as them buying studios, though, I don't know if there's that many places that they can go out and just buy the studio and get it. I think they're going to have to build studios, you know? I just don't see yeah, that many oh, opportunities definitely. for um, these big uh, first-party type, uh, AAA-type games uh, from these studios that can just be purchased. So Maybe man. smaller yeah. studios um, that, yeah, even yeah, maybe they buy but then kind of build out, you know, yeah, something like that. But you're, you're right. It's not like they're going to go out and... Tim Getty said something asinine about oh, like they could Bethesda. Just buy Bethesda. I mean, they could okay. buy Bethesda. I don't think they would, or that <laughs> makes fuck? sense. But I can't believe that I didn't hear that shit. That's dumb as hell. I, no. He wasn't being super serious, but he yeah. was. He was being a little facetious. He was saying like, imagine yeah. if they did something crazy like buy Bethesda. Um, <laughs> I do think there's okay. like some mid-tier developers, some double-A developers that they could buy, like um, Avalanche. Um, or maybe the something like that. Hangar, yeah. Hangar Thirteen that just made Mafia Three. Um, there's, the, there's whoever makes that like Bio Mutant game. Fuck, what are they called? Oh, uh, oh fucking something. Yeah, it. something that size. That, They're the Xbox Three developers. Yeah, well, um, but yeah, it's former Avalanche guys because Avalanche yeah. is, is just has three. But I would say, um, regardless of whether they buy studios or create studios. I think the biggest uh, mistake that they don't want to repeat is turning studios into franchise factories. So, for example, having a Gears of War only studio, a Halo only studio in the Coalition in 343. I don't think that that's a good idea. I think it's great that those, that especially for 343, like you, it's great that they are specializing in that and that they're so. Um, involved in that community but i don't think that gears of war is a series that needs a studio solely dedicated to that franchise yeah um, i agree so you. i think that that they need to steer away from that in the future well i mean it's interesting because like gorilla was you know was the kill kind of Killzone with kill zone but a they weren't named directly after something related to kill zone i don't think you right. can correct me if i'm wrong and Which both three four three and the coalition exactly like, okay exactly. a little too on the nose there. But like you can make the argument for Halo like you kind of need a studio dedicated to Halo. But I do agree with you that like, Gears is in this position now where it isn't it isn't you know Xbox three sixty launch where Gears is like one of the main attractions. You know Gears is still solid. They're great games. But yeah, I, I agree with you that they need to make sure that they don't uh, pigeonhole these these new dev companies. Um, like it is <sighs> weird that they shut down Lionhead though. I mean you know. I get that Fable Legends wasn't working out, and I also get that Lionhead probably wasn't what it was back in its heyday. Yeah. But, I mean, that was still a AAA developer that you just, you know, cut the rug out from Lionhead. Yeah, but, so. like, I love the Fable games, and I'm probably going to get grief for this, but, like, 
I don't think Lionhead holds a candle to some of the first party uh, studios that Sony has. Obviously, a lot of people can't say they have studios like that, but like, I do think that they, even going after mid tier developers, I don't think cuts it. I think they have to maybe just develop these teams internally or find these people that can lead these teams to create these AAA top notch experiences. Because, like, there are some mid tier developers that could potentially, like, Mafia 3. Uh, developers could potentially make a game that holds a candle with some of the Sony exclusives, but just on paper, I don't think that's the case, you know? Like, some of the yeah, I don't things... think... I mean, obviously 343 would be the closest, and I don't necessarily think that they're anywhere near the quality of most of Sony, Sony's first party, you know? I definitely think they've got a ways to catch up if they want to get to that level. Yeah, I, I mean, it's interesting. Pretty rad. I think it, 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 it depends on what you look at with them. Um, because I don't think, I don't know, it's, I don't want to get on that whole discussion of, like, this versus that, but, uh, as far as, like, dreams, I think Amy Hennig, obviously, is a, is a, uh, no-brainer, like, that would be awesome, um, Ken Amy Levi- Hennig working on dreams by Media Molecule, I know that's not God. what you were saying, but, like, how, how the fuck would that uh, work? I think, like, a, a, a reveal of Ken Levine coming back to make AAA games, which I doubt is, is not gonna happen, mm. considering the way he <laughs> exited... Um, yeah, yeah I, I don't know. There's some, there's some, there's some unique uh, talents out there um, that I would love to see behind a AAA uh, first party studio. Um, yeah, right. it's 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 interesting. Um, like I said before, I don't think this is. Uh, you shouldn't think that this is like they're starting today. There's a lot of things in development that you probably we don't know about that are going to be announcements and stuff like that. Um, it's interesting too. The whole conversation of remember we were talking about earlier in the year of man, I would love if Xbox had a PSX type event. And from a community standpoint, I agree. But now we're seeing this weird thing with Sony as far as announcements of like, PSX might not even have anything substantial in terms of Spread announcements. Spread a little thin. So it is, too. So it is just too. like a community event, which is fine, but to build up the expectations of it being a place where there's a keynote to now possibly there not being one is kind of weird, you know? Um, yeah. But you can do that when you have as many exclusives as you do. So you have that choice. Uh, but, um, yeah, I don't really have much else to say about this. I'm excited. Uh, Phil said stuff that he's been saying all year, so it's not really surprising to me. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it for me. Any last words from you guys? Bloodborne 2. Bloodborne 2. <laughs> uh, the last news story comes by way of another shareholders meeting we talked about earlier, Ubisoft's. Uh, Take-Two, during their shareholders meeting, basically stated um, that recurrent consumer spending is the thing they're looking at now towards the future of uh, monetization and earning money in video games. Um, obviously, bleed you dry. Take two are, are you know, behind uh, uh, GTA. I want to say Rocksteady and Rockstar. Rockstar, thank you. I was like, that's not the name. Interactive. Exactly. Borderlands. The thing is, is like, uh, we Bioshock. Which, if you don't believe Borderlands 3 is not going to have microtransactions and loot boxes, you're out of your mind. That game fits perfectly yeah. into that whole model. Ooh, yeah. Um, we had the issues with NBA 2K this year. Uh, there are atrocious microtransactions. But, like, GTA, no one's really complained about that, and that's making money hand over fist with its its uh, GTA Online microtransaction. So, um, it, it's interesting. I do think he has a point here, and I know people are going to, you know, corporate apologist and all this stuff, but... In the era where we're hearing about these games that, you know, these studios, it's unsustainable with the amount of money you put in for a game on top of the amount of money you put in for marketing, you know, and then the, the, the small fraction of money they make from 
uh, retail sales, uh, which is obviously not a definitive number, like I said before. But you're seeing, and there's been stories, especially with like Visceral and Destiny, uh, Destiny, uh, Dead Space 2, of like, it makes sense why there's macrotransactions in games. And I would just say, as a counterpoint to that, I don't believe, I truly do not believe it's nearly as much as gosh, it costs so much to make these games and our profit margins are so thin. I think one major factor is that it's mismanagement on the publisher's side, and the other major factor is the fact that they're, they uh, are not satisfied with the profit margins that have been satisfactory in the past. Like, you see that they make hundreds of millions, if not billions, off of FIFA Ultimate Team microtransactions, and instead of saying, oh, well, we'll take all those hundreds of millions of dollars off of that one game and spread it around, speaking about EA here, to our entire uh, stable of, of pub- or developers, um, instead they're saying, well, if we can do that with FIFA, then let's try it with Madden, and then we'll push it into our Star Wars games, and this, that, and the other. So I just think that it's overall mismanagement from the publishers, as well as uh, them getting greedy to the point of no return when it comes to... Uh, profit margins that would have been totally satisfactory in the past no longer satiating their desire to suck the blood dry out of the consumer Eh, yeah i I understand that but i think we also have to give some responsibility to the consumer themselves too um like i think but the consumer's always been there to buy their 60 dollar product and i understand the whole argument that um you know games haven't changed with uh inflation stuff like that but uh i just don't necessarily and not that it's you know, coming straight from you, Jared. I mean, we hear this all the time. The rhetoric that, um, you know, we're—it's almost like we, the consumer, are to blame for the fact that these um, poor old publishers are uh, just not able to make any money anymore. I just—I don't buy it. You know. Yeah, I don't think it's—I don't think it's necessarily that. I think it's um, from a business perspective. I think it's an investment thing of like, well, what's the point of investing X amount of money to this? when we can really just invest this lower X amount and still make more money. Um, and, I mean, I think microtransactions are going to be in games no matter what. I think anybody who sits out there and thinks like, I want a world without microtransactions in video games, I think you're living in, in a place that's not reality. Um, but I do think what we need to do is we need to start steering the conversation like we have been and everyone's trying to do into healthy, more understandable microtransactions in games. I mean, Overwatch makes an asinine amount of money with their macrotransactions and their loot boxes and no one really complains because they do it right and we've 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 said this multiple times but like i do think the argument of wanting or not wanting macrotransactions in games is an argument you're not going to win i'm sorry we're past that point but i do think we can still fight towards putting the right types of macrotransactions in the games um i think as long Less as all, predatory no pay yeah, to win stuff like that exactly and i think if you have the systems in place where the currencies and the economy make sense you can have a system like gta where you do have recurrent consumer spending as take two states but i've never felt pressured playing gta to spend x amount of money to get x amount of dollars in the game to buy this vehicle i'm like yeah if i save up for it whatever um and i do think it's all about handling it right you know I can vibe with what you're saying there. However, one of my biggest issues is when it specifically affects single-player games that uh, it fundamentally changes the the gameplay experience and the just general experience of the game itself, specifically speaking on Shadow of War, where um, to get the true ending, you know, you basically... 
either have to uh, use these orcs, buy these orcs with real money, or you have to spend all this extra time. And not only that, but I've heard plenty of people talk about how um, these legendary orcs sometimes aren't even worth a shit when you actually get them into battle. They just die off for whatever stupid reason. Like they might, it might, they might not help you at all in battle. And so the game is clearly not built, doesn't have the infrastructure to support things like this and these a lot of these are clearly afterthoughts that are shoved in last minute just to make that extra buck and that's that's another uh, area that needs to change uh, quite drastically in my opinion yeah I mean there's also uh, another side of it of like we're going to this point where we're asking for max visual fidelity in games and all of these different things and pushing games to their ma- max and asking for these outstanding experiences and I'm not talking from a publisher perspective but from like a developer perspective like, the costs go up, you know. Obviously, the, the more you want in your game and the, the higher graphical fidelity and the, the smoother it runs and stuff like that, and expenses go up and up and up. And, I mean, I do think, and I'm not saying, like, consumers are to blame, but I do think the rising costs of game development are a byproduct of people wanting more out of video games. Therefore, they're costing more to make. And I do think it's the publisher sitting there and saying, like, yo, we need to make more money. Then, once they start earning money from... Also found- more uh, sources of revenue than ever before. Yeah, yeah, but what I was saying is, microtransactions were a way to alleviate the top end of, of game development and investment. But I do think the problem there is that once they found out that microtransactions worked, now we're starting to see the predatory use of them, and that's the issue. You know, what I'm trying. To, what I'm trying to say is, like, I think microtransactions were gonna be there no matter what because of the rising game development costs. It's unfortunate yeah. that it's gotten to the point where they've become so predatory. You know what I mean? I'm trying to yes. walk that line there of like microtransactions were inevitable with the way games were going. It just this predatory type of action with them is is the the line we have to walk and try to fight as much as we can. You know? So see, I'm yeah. I'm more I, I see what you're saying, and yeah, we can try to find the line. And this, you know, sometimes it works better than others. But I'm always going to be you know of the opinion and voice voice the opinion of of always pushing away from that i know there is a line and there's stuff that even i'd say is acceptable but i'm always going to push away from that because i don't want to be close to the line right yeah i don't want to be anywhere near it i'd um because it is it is it can be predatory so quickly and when you're a big business like that's a revenue stream that's proven much more lucrative than the traditional 60 dollar game right so i'm always going to try to push in that direction away from even where it is reasonable and we can agree like if you were to explain to me how it works in Overwatch, I'd be like, yeah, that's fine. I'm just, I'm not going to support it. I'm not going to vote, you know, for that. I'm always going to push towards, you know, straight up, I'm buying this and I'm getting it. DLC is um, $10, $20, whatever, and, and I know what it is and I'm buying it. Instead of this, so this microtransaction um, revenue stream that can so easily become predatory. Like, <clears throat> yeah. Um, that, that old adage of, I can't remember who said it again, but I, I remember hearing it in school, um, of how do you, you know, how do you boil a frog to death, right? One degree at a time, or you just drop it in a boiling pot of water. Yeah. If you drop it in the boiling pot, it's just going to jump out, right? The $60 game, right? If you don't want to pay for it, you're just not. But if you're paying a dollar at a time, all of a sudden, you turn around and you spend $1,000 and you didn't know it, right? So Yeah, but then... And I hate, I feel like the super corporate apologist on this podcast was like, oh, I'm for big business and all this stuff. But like, to me too, part part of that is like, 
self-responsibility of like oh absolutely yeah, absolutely yeah and i understand where you're coming from like it's better to not be on the line at all than to be walking the line but for me i guess i'm more pessimistic on it of like i see this as an inevitability so i would rather be fighting the fight for the good side of the line than the bad side of the line because i kind of feel as if we're never going to move away from the line you know what i mean and maybe i'm not right oh no i mean you know? it is inevitable right it's the same thing with the goddamn headphone jacks on phones right like i know <laughs> yeah. that eventually i'm gonna have to buy a phone without a fucking headphone jack but yeah it doesn't mean i want to doesn't mean i'm like i'm not going into it until i literally have no choice right because i'm my the, my the way my car and my devices are set up that's a huge inconvenience to me and i'm just i understand that's the future but fuck them until it's everything else is around me i'm never gonna do it until i have to i don't necessarily obviously this is a games podcast but i don't necessarily know that that's the future because you're talking about a direct wired connection which i have my questions as well yeah (laughs) it's going to be a higher audio fidelity than a bluetooth wireless connection so yeah i think but that does come back around to where just because someone's trying to force it on you doesn't mean it's necessarily the better way to go. And well, I do. Have and to Wi-Fi agree. is worse than a hardwire too, right? But that's exactly. certainly the future. Yeah. Um, so I do have to agree with you, Jared, on the topic of self-responsibility. I, you know, not that it necessarily matters to anybody, anybody, but I'm absolutely upset with uh, the way gamers and consumers have handled this yeah. situation because Don't they've be allowed. Aware. Exactly, they've been whales. And there's a lot of people that are say, oh, well, I, you know, I'm against microtransactions um, when I'm talking on Twitter or my podcast or YouTube. But um, in the game, well, you know, I really like this little star card or shark card, whatever you want to call it. And I think I'll just go with it on this turn. And so um, if people hadn't allowed uh, corporations to, um, like you said, Dom, boil them one degree at a time and hadn't allowed this, you know, haven't been uh, hadn't been giving mooses muffins and mouses pancakes all this time. Then we what wouldn't. The uh, you've never heard of give a moose a muffin or give a mouse a no. pancake. No. You never read those stories. No. We'll have to educate you. I like it though. You're That's making cool. this shit up. <laughs> no, there's uh, real quick explanation. There's books called. There's a book series. Two of them are called if you give a moose a muffin or if you give a mouse a pancake. It's basically about how. Um, if you give them an inch, they'll take a mile. Like if you give cool. if the Got moose it. walks up to your window while you're making breakfast, and you give him a muffin, he's going to come back for the rest of your life every day. Got Same it. thing with the mouse and the pancakes. Um, I'm really sorry for you guys that your childhood <laughs> were desolate and that you uh, grew up in wastelands oh where they weren't God. giving you the proper storybooks. Um, however, um, I kind of mentioned it earlier, but just to go a little bit deeper into the point. Um, you know something that's to be said i do agree with you jared on the topic of self-responsibility and i can see where you're coming from that yeah um game production costs are are absolutely higher than ever especially entering into the 4k age but like i also mentioned um the point i was going to go further into is the fact that uh you know publishers are uh at an all-time high with the amount of revenue streams that they do have you know they have um, obviously the microtransactions that we've discussed then they have DLC separate from a season pass which is like your story expansions and maybe like a challenge mode an extra challenge mode or something like that but then they have you know piecemeal DLC which is like um, you know the costumes that you buy or costume packs that you buy um, extra guns or gun upgrades or gun modifications this that and the other then they have the in-game ads now we're even seeing trophies 
and achievements that are sponsored. Um, you have all sorts of sponsored content, whether it's like the Doritos XP or your Mountain Dew XP weekends for Destiny, stuff like that. I mean, I could really, really go on and on and on about the massive amount of revenue streams that publishers have found, specifically in the video game industry. So I think that we're giving them, as uh, a consumer base or as a gamer base, we are giving them, um, you know, giving these mooses and these mices too many muffins and pancakes if you will because um, we're letting these things creep in we're letting them boil us one degree at a time and we're really only focusing on this one gigantic issue uh, this one gigantic revenue stream that is an issue which is microtransactions and we're kind of losing sight of the fact that they have um, so many other areas where they've also been kind of gouging us um, when it comes to money and, and, and advertising. Yeah. Well, and the thing people often don't talk about is how they gouge uh, developers of their time and they're not compensated properly. Like, I think one of the yeah. biggest events that's going to happen for the gaming industry is when game developers decide to unionize finally. Hasn't happened. Yeah. I think when there's... You know, we were talking about... Sorry to interrupt, but we were talking about, um, you know, how... Uh, Telltale needs to tighten up and could hopefully be a more well-oiled machine and I think the game industry as a whole has a rude awakening that it is yet to encounter because there are many different, you know, we just saw the end of the uh, the Voice Actors Guild strike which um, I still feel like they kind of got screwed. They didn't get anywhere near, it seems to me um, where they originally set out to be as far as the agreement went and so I think, yeah, publishers specifically have a very rude awakening ahead of them as far as um, the type of stuff that's about to come crashing down on them because of the way that they've handled these situations. Yeah, it might have been the strategy too, right? Where you go in asking for 100 when you know you're really willing it's to possible. accept 75. Well, with the right? unions, you're not going to get 100% of what you want. You're going to cut a deal. Exactly. Sure. So sure. a lot of times, yeah. the way the unions make their plans is like, we're gonna we're gonna hope for the moon, but you know, what is that saying? Reach for a star, land on the moon, some bullshit. However, that saying goes. Something. On. Frogs yeah, and water or, and you know, moons and pies, pancakes. with some apple the worst. pie or something. Yeah, yeah you yeah. know, I'm sorry, listeners and watchers. I'm sorry that these guys are so uncultured oh, that they've never read some you of the uncultured best swine of all um, time. Uh, Surprised you guys know about Harry fucking Potter. <laughs> uh, that's it for episode 78 of the Controlled Interest Gamecast. Let's talk about what we're going to be playing. Uh, Super Mario Odyssey for me, as always. More uh, Arkham Knight. Um... Nothing crazy comes out next week, I don't think. Not before we uh, actually, record, anyways. Quite a bit. Well, Star Wars comes out the seventeenth, yeah. but we'll be recording before then, because it comes out uh, Friday. Star Wars comes out December seventeenth. You're thinking of Justice League next week? Uh, Battlefront. No, Battlefront. You mean. Jordan, not oh, the movie. I got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you thought the, I yeah, thought yeah. you were talking about the movie. Um, but yeah, Justice League comes out next Thursday. That's going to be a big one because yeah. we'll finally see if uh, DC's able to pull that off. Also, it's something that me and a lot of other big DC fans have been waiting for for a very long time and then there's um, The Punisher on Netflix next week there's yep. Star Wars oh. on the front too <sighs> yeah there's lots of stuff coming out next week so hey well, you guys you know what record, that's next Friday so we'll record another show before that well but you know there's like basically like your midnight release on yeah. Thursday night we'll still be recording before that but regardless um, you guys if the Patriots can come down from 25 points to win the Super Bowl Justice League can become a good movie. It's possible. God, uh, what What are the Patriots, Dom? I've never heard of them. <laughs> I've, what, 
talking about muffins <laughs> and Patriots over here. I don't even know what. If you give a Patriot anymore. a deflated ball, it wins the Super Bowl. Um, oh shit! <laughs> yeah, so uh, pretty much Arkham Knight and uh, and Super Mario Odyssey. I don't know what else I'm gonna be playing. I wanted to go see a Murder on the Orient Express, but it doesn't look like it's getting very good reviews. Obviously, it's a remake of a classic. Um, so there's that. Uh, that's pretty much it for me. Uh, I finished Rick and Morty season three, so I'm all caught up yeah. on Rick and Morty. Um, watching Stranger Things two currently halfway through the season, episode four, I think. Uh, started watching Mind Hunters as well. I'm on episode three, I think, as well. There, pretty much it. Singular yeah. Mind Hunter. Mind Hunter. There you go. Man, I got. I'm gonna keep playing Odyssey. I'm gonna beat that thing. Yeah. Uh, I do want. I do need to get back to Death of the Outsider. Dishonored. I do need cool. to wrap some shit up in that. Yeah. And then, that's probably all I'll get to by the time we talk next, but I do want to get to Horizon uh, DLC after Horizon that. Fucking Wolfenstein, it's just... Are you excited for the so Zelda DLC hard. that's supposedly coming out in December? Champions Ballad? I yeah. I can't even... Excuse me. It's just too much, man. It's just too much. Man, too the much. rumors... I, mean, I think we're all going to... P- I don't know if I'm going to get it. I don't know if we're all going to play it. I don't know I mean, if I'm, I'm going to get the DLC. I got the season pass with my bundle, which I would have purchased yeah. anyways. But yeah. uh, um, I'm I'm excited for it. I'm, I, I think it's, though it's not n- close to my favorite game of the year, it, it's still a great game, and I think, you know, it's good to get. It's, fucking, it's a rad a game, game, dude. It's rad. Right, it's fucking right. groovy. It's rad. I'm just having a hard enough time getting back to it to play it to beat the main thing that I'm just like, I don't even know if I'll ever get to the DLC. Um, yeah, I feel that. I think it's a great game. It's just the thing with me, you know hang up with me. Uh, what about you, Jordan? What are you going to be playing? Yeah, so uh, something I didn't mention at the beginning of the show is uh, Need for Speed Payback, which I started playing this week. And, Did you lose uh, a bet? No, I love the Need for Speed game on PS4, Dom. Why don't you I think stop it's, being so prejudgmental? I think it's because oh, Payback isn't getting good reviews, right, from what I've seen? Or is it just a yeah, need, shot at Need so, for Speed, Dom? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but uh, I've I've talked uh, kind of almost ad nauseum about how um, you know Ghost are former Criterion developers, and so they definitely have a burnout twist to their Need for Speed PS4 games, the Rivals, then uh, Need for Speed uh, 2015, and now Payback. And uh, I will say that this is my least favorite of those three, and I love uh, Need for Speed Rivals. I like. Need for Speed 2015 quite a bit, and this one is uh, definitely disappointing. Definitely a step in the wrong direction, sort of what I was saying with Assassin's Creed, where um, the way that you customize the um, your the under the hood, I guess you'd say, on your vehicles is kind of jacked up with these speed cards. They're not microtransactions, even though they sound like them, but uh, yeah, they, it doesn't. It's not as accurate as you want to be, nor is it as accessible or just uh, smartly done as you'd want it to be. There's, You have to unlock uh, certain parts of your car that you can access to uh, tune those or, or mess with those, I should say. Um, you have to... Um, there's other parts of the game that are just like really unintuitive and... and um, like I said, same thing with Assassin's Creed. Steps in the wrong direction. Changes to things that didn't need to be changed. Um, one big example for me is the fact that multiplayer and single player are now uh, separated completely. And so they're two different game modes that you load into separately, which is really frustrating because though I'm almost never into online multiplayer, these Need for Speed games on the PS4 have been uh, the one game that that is an exception for me on because... Uh, 
previously, in the last couple games, you would be able to just drive up to somebody in this open world that's always online. Um, you could play it offline, and it would just have bots in the world uh, with you, but um, you drive up to somebody, hit R1 to ask them if they wanted to race. They say yes or no. If they say yes, you're off to the races. They don't stop the game. There's no, like, oh, here's the starting line, three, two, one. You're just racing as soon as they press yes, and so or you press yes if someone else asked you, and so then you just uh, start racing, and it gives you an endpoint. And that was so much fun and so cool how that was so well incorporated, and now that the single-player and multiplayer modes are separate, that's not even an option anymore. So one of my favorite part of the game, favorite parts of the game was absolutely stripped from it. Um, and then... Um, you know, there's other little nitpicks here and there, but I think you can go online and, and read or watch reviews and, and hear a lot of those, um, a lot of the things. Um, I don't necessarily have, like, super hot takes on that stuff. Like, most of the stuff that has been fucked up, that they, excuse me, fucked up about this game is pretty well documented and pretty well agreed upon across uh, players of the series. So, um, it's pretty unfortunate. It's not a terrible game. I'd say it's a decent game. You know, it's pretty average. It's certainly something that I'll be playing more of um, because I do just like the moment-to-moment -moment experience. That's something that they didn't fuck up from the first two games is Ghost knows how to make the game feel, knows how to make the cars feel, how the, how the races and the road feel. Um, and that's really, really fun, riveting action, but it was a lot more riveting when you can just hop on with somebody and start uh, zooming away, if you will. So um, that sucks, and it sucks that, like I said, they, they did take steps in the wrong direction, steps backward in a lot of different areas, but um, you know, I don't think this will be the last one, and, and hopefully they'll listen to people and maybe even update this one to improve some of those issues that I have. Um, just a note, it does have microtransactions. They are pretty well hidden, but they are there, um, but no surprise, it's an EA game, so there are um, those, those pesky little buggers, um, but yeah, I'll be playing more of that. Um, mention some of the other media and entertainment coming out next week so um, I'll definitely be getting into that stuff as well as as well as some of the uh, shows that I mentioned previously I'll be watching and um, yeah I'm sure I'll play more Assassin's Creed Origins and definitely be uh, further into Frozen Wilds next time we come about for a podcast so yeah that's pretty much it uh, Ow. Before, before I get to the closing of the show real quick I was thinking earlier when we were doing the Xbox thing about like what studios they should get or what creators. I <laughs> do you guys remember? I don't know if it was during the Xbox One launch E3 or maybe the year after when that dude came out on stage and he just said Peggle Two and he put his fist in the air. Do you guys remember that? <laughs> he yeah, was like one of those Peggle Two, and I was like, I was just laughing about that in my head. I'm like, oh, how cringy. Um, yeah, Popcap, <laughs> another another studio under the. The Iron Thumb of EA. Uh, Good luck, Respawn. We'll see you dead in a few years. I have to thoroughly disagree with you there. That's, uh, I, I, for, I wanted to get in the conversation about that. I think you're way down on EA. Deservedly so, but uh, <laughs> I... But should I, should I send you the list of the numerous developers that they've acquired and closed down throughout the years? Really talented developers that they've closed down throughout the years? Talent, talent year doesn't mean their okay. games sell well, though. I don't know. It's a whole discussion. Sure, but I think that they could sell better in different environments where they were properly managed, you know? Yeah, but that might not... <laughs> I don't want to get into this conversation. We're about to close the show. We'll do it next week. 
uh, when we talk about <laughs> visceral stuff. Uh, <laughs> thank you guys for listening to episode 78 of the Controlled Interest Gamecast. Uh, please, if you can, follow us on iTunes and leave a review. It really helps. As well, if you can subscribe to us on YouTube. Um, glad to have Dom back. Uh, we'll have him back next week as well. So it'll be us three again for two weeks in a row for once in a very long while. Um, what else am I missing? I think that's pretty much it. Rest in peace, pandemic. That's what you're missing, Jared. Rest in peace. <laughs> Rest in peace, <laughs> pandemic. pandemic. Uh, yeah, we'll catch you guys next week. Uh, have a good one.